Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts. Three, two, one. Now. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, Hope you are having a good week taking care of yourselves, taking care of those around you, taking care of everybody. It's interesting. Everyone I'm talking to right now is talking a lot about this current renewed or more evolved, I guess, consciousness about, I guess, so many different things. It's an interesting time culturally where we're we're sensitive in a way that I think is very needed. Some people think it's a little overboard, but I think the sensitivities kind of needed where we've made some really insensitive decisions in the past about terminology that we were culturally, you know, kind of comfortable with. And then, excuse me, also lack of representation. And we talk, we mean that in terms of race, gender expression, you know, sexuality, all of that. And then also just monuments, the people that we've honored and built statues for and team mascots and the name of bands. I mean, when we really look at how much oppression or violence we've culturally allowed in terms of all these different forces and factors, it can feel like maybe we're being a little hypersensitive, but what we're really trying to do is move the needle to the middle. And we've historically allowed statues and and holidays for people like Christopher Columbus, who is actually quite racist and had his hand in genocide and didn't necessarily discover anything. And we put up, you know, we give him a holiday and we give him a monument and that's just whited, uh, rooted in so many problematic things. And then we have team mascots where their imagery and their name is rooted in something really quite racist. And again, just because that existed for a long period of time, doesn't mean it has to continue on. We're allowed to make changes. I I'm not disheartened or, or, you know, I don't problematize us really trying to be thoughtful about what we allow, what we create and the impact it has on others. So I'm okay with bands changing their name and schools getting new mascots and us trying to build a more equitable world where everyone feels included and no one feels victimized. And it's going to take some time. But again, we are so far on the other side of the continuum that we have to do some extreme things to kind of land back in the middle. So... You know, again, we're all learning and evolving and changing, and I think everything is open for an update. I don't think that anything should be left as it was. Times are times are changing. Times are different. People's needs and our consciousness is evolving, and so I think it's okay for things to kind of fit 
where we are. I don't think people should fit into history or institutions and perpetuate things that aren't really serving us or working or meaningful anymore. I think institutions and norms and values and all that should meet the needs of human beings and people. And that's what's happening. And so I'm glad that everyone's taking a look at what they're participating in and perpetuating or strengthening and really holding themselves accountable. Now, again, change needs consistency and it needs reminders. And we see that right now, even with COVID, where Black Lives Matter being centered, which I, I needed to happen, that has taken some of the attention off of COVID. And that's led to some people really forgetting its existence and letting their guard down. And we have not seen rates dropping. All the experts I'm interviewing and talking to have a lot of concern about the numbers rising as we're reopening. And it's understandable that we need to get back to life and business business. But we need to remember COVID is still happening. A pandemic is still all around us. That hasn't been solved or resolved. And people need to remember that. So keep keep paying attention to that. I mean, right here at Channel Q, we were all going to get together and be a part of excuse me, protesting and um, really making pride this year about centering Black lives. But we as a company have decided that we need to find alternative ways because not everyone is in a really good position to be around crowds. Our One of our you know, MDs is agreeing. He's saying, you know, there's a sharp rise in cases. Much of that is due to, to, to the reopening several weeks ago. And that unfortunately, if you are going to protest, you need to still be very thoughtful about distancing and wearing a mask and bringing san, uh, hand sanitizer. And for some people, if they're with, living with, or working in places where there's others that have, excuse me, underlying health conditions or they're elderly, you might need to find other ways to be part of that movement because being around crowds might not be the right thing for you. So please don't think that because, you know, cities are opening up and these protests are happening that it is safe to be around others. And so you have to really ask yourself, how can I participate in the world and all that's going on in a healthy way? But by no means is everything over. Um, and let's finally just wrap up on uh, good old JK Rawlings. I know a lot of people want to know my thoughts on that. You know, again, look, <laughs> now is not the time to be putting out trans antagonistic things. Trans lives are important. They are a population that is still working really hard to get recognition and inclusion. I don't know why anyone with a major platform would want to dismantle that, but the lesson to everyone is there are more than two genders, male and female. There are more than two sexes, male and female. There's a multitude of expressions, whether you are intersexed and have anatomy internally and externally that fits into the binary or not. There's so many different ways that our bodies can exist and they all have legitimacy and everyone has a right to choose how they want to be seen or labeled or identified out in the world. And so I really did wish that someone like JK took that more seriously and her platform. But um, I want everyone to know that there's more than two sexes. Some writers say there's at least five. Because again, our external anatomy doesn't necessarily match the internal anatomy. And some people are surprised to hear that. But unless you've had your chromosomes checked, you don't know just by your anatomy if you're an XY or an XX, thereby designated female or male. And just because you have a penis on the outside doesn't mean you don't have a uterus on the inside. And just because you have a vulva doesn't mean you don't have testes. All these things are coming out when we actually do DNA testing, chromosome testing, and people wind up going to the doctor for the first time. So just know that this whole idea that we're all male or female just isn't true. But the larger message, and we'll talk about that piece in another show, but the larger message is just people like JK, please take some more responsibility and be thoughtful about what you're putting out there, especially in a time right now. All right. We got a great show planned for you, though. We are going to be joined by Aloe Black, singer, songwriter, and activist, talking about all things COVID, race, and mental health. You are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Radio.com. 
Thank you for tuning in to Loveline. I'm your host, Dr. Chris. Got a great show planned for you. We have singer-songwriter Aloe Black and Dr. Morcio Heilbron to talk about all things medicine and COVID. Oh, so much to talk about still. But before I get into any of that, let's talk about social media. There's a lot of people right now that are experiencing what I'm calling social media letdown. And basically that is truth coming out. A lot of us are encountering aspects of people we have different relationships with, friends, family members, employees, based on what they're posting or not posting on social media. So it's something that's definitely coming a lot into my office more and even through friends, feeling bad, feeling let down or disappointed in the way that your friends, loved ones, and family members are handling the current politics of this moment, um, there's a reminder that comes with that about also our use of social media. I'm saying all the time over and over that we need more care and compassion. We want to be thoughtful about what we're curating and putting on our social media because it does matter and it does impact people. So whenever you're thinking about posting something, pause. Pause and ask yourself if that post is oppressive to anyone for any reason. Pause and ask yourself if there's anyone that is potentially harmed or left out in your social media post. These are the new ethics that we're needing to develop so that no one has to feel violence or oppression against them. We talked earlier about some of the dating apps starting to change some of the filter properties so that individuals are not having to encounter uh, sexual racism and body shaming, all sorts of other factors. Because again, mental health matters. And when we're going on our social media, we want to surround ourselves with messaging and media that supports who we are, reflects back the value we have, and also isn't going to you know, create problems down the road. And we're seeing a lot of celebrities and a lot of company CEOs that are coming under fire for problematic things that they've said, which is important that we're holding people accountable. But moving forward, I want us to all be very, very thoughtful about the impact our social media is having. Because with social media. Everyone now has a platform and the impact of everything we say and do absolutely matters. All right, now let's go to our first guest, Aloe Black, singer, songwriter, and activist. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So I always like to start off by talking about mental health. How is your mental health doing right now through everything? You know, I feel like I'm in a pretty good place. Um, There is a lot going on. I have two young kids. I'm trying to be daddy. I'm trying to be artist, musician, and I'm trying to be activist. Um, but personally, I feel like I'm in a good space, and my wife and I have still have very civil conversations. <laughs> so I think I'm all right. Yeah, you're smiling. A lot of parents I'm talking to right now aren't smiling, so you're doing something right. <laughs> well, I, yeah, people say people say I smile too, smile too much sometimes, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. I heard you might be able to con, con, uh, confirm that your brain doesn't know the difference. Even if you fake smile, you're getting the same endorphins and eventually you can trick yourself into being happy. That's right. Our, our brains are one big piece of mush that we can manipulate as needed. So well done. Uh, let's talk about self-care. Uh, are any new forms of self-care emerging through this time that's not familiar or something that's traditional for you? You know, um, a lot of breathing. So I had been put onto uh, this um, Wim Hof technique of of breathing and that, and he's doing his breathing and it, mainly for uh, kind of health purposes and not necessarily mental health physiological health but um i found that just taking a pause breathing in deeply um gives me a chance to kind of regulate how i'm processing physiologically how i'm processing information that's coming in and there's so much coming in from the from the web and sometimes I got to just decide not to click on this button to see or read what's coming next. 
I think that's so important though, right? Like checking in with our mood and our body and saying like, is this the time to open ourselves up to whatever might come through media at this moment, but also breathing. It's like one of the few ways we can actually regulate our nervous system. So that must be why you're smiling so much again. <laughs> um, Could be. Let's talk about some of your music. I, I read a quote by you that I thought was really meaningful and I'm, I'm trying to kind of spread this to everyone regardless of whatever kind of genre or work they do in the world. But you were talking about being uncomfortable with the state of some music, how it was more centered in the expression of ego and nothing social justice oriented. Unpack that for us. Yes. I mean, music in general, I think since the, the dawn of the record, right, and, and the build, build up to the burgeoning industry that it is, has been very self-centered. Um, the, the artist, the recording artist, is uh, one that is always focused on what they want to say not necessarily representing what everyone else wants to say. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of took a stand. I grew up in hip-hop, love it. It's a very self-interested form of music, uh, for lyrics, in terms of the lyrics. And um, But there was a moment in the early days of hip-hop, and there still is an undercurrent of social activism. And I thought, if I'm going to be in this music business as a for a career with a major megaphone, I want to use it for positive social transformation. So I want to create um, music that speaks with and for the underdog, with humanity, um, not just for myself and not just glorifying myself. Yeah, I, I I love that you were you were talking one of the interviews about all the different um, levels of oppression that we have to work through, and and I was just sitting there thinking like, wow, that's a lot of pressure to put upon yourself as as a musician. But I but again, I guess I circle back and say I'm also thankful for people like yourself taking their platform seriously. Do you hold all musicians accountable to what they're putting out there, or is that just something you put upon yourself? Yeah, I do. I think everybody is allowed to do whatever they want. That's just the freedoms we have. And in order for us to try to balance the scales, there needs to, be, to, needs to be some light in the darkness. I feel like, sure, go ahead, make a song about whatever you want. It could be about your depression. It could be about your um, lost love. It could be about wanting to fight somebody. You can be as dark and as angry as you want to be in your music. My job is to be a counterbalance and to be the light and to hold you accountable for what it is that you're delivering to the world because ultimately... Um, we are what we eat and we consume in more than more ways than just our mouths. We are consuming the air that we breathe. We're consuming the uh, sounds that we hear, the sights that we see, uh, our skin even. We are consuming, uh, you know, the light and the, and the air. So it's, it's all important. And my goal is to impress upon my peers that your responsibility is to leave the world a better place than when you got here. You can do that with your music, with your voice, with your lyric. We have more coming up after the break with Aloe Black, so stay tuned. Continuing the conversation with our guest, Aloe Black, singer, songwriter, and activist. I think that, you know, the sign of the times is showing us how much we are all so interconnected. It's first, of course, with this pandemic, recognizing that I was quarantining at home. I went outside to uh, early in the morning to uh, check the garden and it was a very cold, brisk morning. And as I was um, calling to my my children, I wanted them to come out and see how the steam was rising from um, the ground, from the dew as the sun was hitting it. And as I was calling them, I saw the aerosols, the humidity in my voice, in my mouth. And it dawned on me, 
immediately that this is going to be a problem. I know everybody's saying wash hands, but I know that these aerosols are going to be a problem for people breathing and any mucous membranes that are that are not being covered. Mm. And then sure enough, within three weeks, the entire concept about face masks and everything. And I say all that because I realize this is how interconnected we are. Just being next to someone and breathing with them in the same room becomes a potential threat to your life and it's existential threat. No, that we that, are so connected. That was so stunning that just what you exhale out of your mouth has that powerful of an impact on those around you that you could possibly infect them with something. But you, I mean, you had a quote I wrote down because it was kind of what you just said there. And I thought it was so stunning. And you're basically, um, I don't remember where I wrote it down, but you were basically commenting on that, that like, we're all just one big interconnected organism. And the work is about finding responsibility in that. So let me ask you this question. Do you think what's happening right now in terms of the way we're managing COVID, but also the Black Lives Matter movement right now, do you think that the changes we're seeing in people are rooted out of fear of getting exposed as problematic? Or do you think it's that the consciousness has shifted and people actually care more in general? Oh, my goodness. Consciousness has absolutely shifted. Okay. Um, you don't get 100,000 people in the streets in Hollywood if consciousness hasn't shifted. Um, you definitely have some outliers who are there just for the Instagram moment and they have no concept, but I fundamentally believe that human beings are, are, um, you know, are good, are good. And that what we're seeing is a return to this goodness. It's not top down hegemonic doctrine that is telling us what we need to think and how to how to feel. This is now coming from earth up from our hearts and, and from our souls. I, I hope so. And I believe what you just said. I do think that at our core, we are good, all good first. And it's, you know, capitalism and consumerism and all these other factors that starts to kind of maybe throw us off center. But that's kind of what I'm hoping is happening too, as I look out the window and see people in the streets, like I, I feel the power and I'm hoping that we can take this forward. Yeah, we know that race is a construct. We know that humanity um, began in Africa, that at, at some point we were all part of the same tribe. Um, we know that race is, is basically a, it's a genetic mutation, a function of how much sunlight you are receiving in whatever region of the world you are living in and how much melanin your body's producing. So, you know, we can let all that go. And if you're still holding on to it, then see a doctor, you know, see somebody about it because it's, it's probably a mental illness and let's just move forward and, and just and be loving and compassionate. Yeah. And I'm trying to help support that, that charge because I think traditionally in my field, mental health, we quote unquote stayed outside of politics. And now we're finally realizing there's no such thing. There's like, no such thing. There's just no such thing. A lot of my artist friends uh, and peers are, are very, uh, much in that apolitical a um, where you know, other countries are getting back to work. Uh, Australia, my wife is from Australia, so we have family there. They're uh, getting back outside. New Zealand has basically beat uh, the, the pandemic um, until, <laughs> until Americans come in. I think Iceland is, has done it as well. This is showing us that uh, as an artist, you, or even a, just as a regular person, you can't be a apolitical. You know, if you have the right political system that took charge and had the right kind of leadership to begin with, um, you know, and you were using your voice, and you wouldn't be in the predicament of not being able to go and do shows and earn your living. So, uh, it, I mean, that, that could be a stretch. I could be, I could be definitely um, exaggerating, but I think the point is made.
Yeah. And, and to go to what I was opening the show talking about where, you know, people are coming into my office clinically and they're, they're dealing with this letdown of what they're seeing people post or not post or how they're managing the Black Lives Matter movement. Have you had any moments where you were disappointed or let down by someone's response? Yes. Yes. I've been having a lot of conversations with a lot of different folks. I'm looking for all kinds of allies because there's the transformation that needs to happen is something that will require every single person to do something. It's no longer enough to just feel a way and then, and it's no longer enough to tweet or post an IG. That's not the kind of action that it will take to transform America in the way that needs to transform. In the conversations I've been having, I find that um, people of privilege who I consider allies um, are looking for an easy quick win, an easy, quick answer. And there's no easy, quick answer. It's the dark, hard work that needs to happen of having those conversations with the people in your family that you've been avoiding um, in order to really make these transformations happen. Transformational conversations, not combative. Yes. Uh, just open and, and listening. Yeah, I like that. And also just let me let me highlight. If there's no discomfort, it's not necessarily the deepest level of transformation, right? So I like No pain, no gain. That's 100% <laughs> right. Whether we're talking neurologically, psychologically. Uh, let's talk about music for a second. So you did something really beautiful with the song I Do that I don't see happen often in, in popular music, which is here in America, we often tend to do generally English-only songs. So you then bring in some Spanish. Talk to me about the decision-making behind that because I think that's really stunning like getting America more familiar with other languages and music. Yeah, I travel the world. I, well, I did <laughs> quite frequently. Um, I feel like I'm a citizen of the world. My parents are from Panama. I'm the first generation born in America. Uh, Spanish was a language spoken in my home. Um, and I thought that a song like this was something that could really translate well, especially because I think um, love ballads are um, romantic love ballads, not uh, heartbreak songs, not love lost and love lorn, but romantic ballads of, of monogamous relationships do really do really well in, in Spanish language um, countries. Um, also, my wife is half Mexican. So there's um, just th this beautiful relationship we have with the Spanish language. And I think it's important to share a song in, a, in as many languages as possible. But unfortunately, I don't speak any others. <laughs> I'm, st I'm still loving that one. I mean, and what's so interesting is not even able to maybe translate every lyric. You can you can feel it. So it's like I know what the song's about even before I can hear some of the English lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of what is beautiful about music is the universal language. So we communicate so much with timbre, with uh, uh, inflection, with melody, um, uh, with attitude, and. I'm sure that's what you're able to pick up on. You know, I, I used to listen to a lot of Brazilian music and I, I don't speak Portuguese. Um, it's close enough to Spanish written, but in pronunciation, it's completely different. It's a complete different world. Uh, well, if you didn't have two kids, maybe you could have been learning other languages during this time. <laughs> yeah, blame the kids. <laughs> Aloe Black, thank you so much for being a part of our show and enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you so nice much. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much. Have a great night.
All right. So I think that's a really great message. Aloe Black was sharing about taking responsibility for the impact. What we're putting out into the world has on those around us, especially social media. And like we were saying, a lot of different celebrities getting in a lot of hot water for what they're posting. So just follow what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Take some pause, check in with yourself about the impact of what you're posting is going to have on those around you. Because again, these things last forever. And who doesn't want to be a part of making things change for the positive? Hey, it's Dr. Chris, and this is Loveline. Before we slide the DMs, the DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you want your question answered on Loveline, slide into the DMs on Loveline IG and let us know. Or you can give us a call, 833-LOVE-001, 833-LOVE-001. Time for some DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. And we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Dr. D, I've been listening to your show since way back with Amber, and it has changed a lot in my life. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I'm in a loving relationship for over a year now. One I genuinely don't believe I would have been in without listening to your show. Oh, see, I, it means a lot to me when you all say that. It honestly, truly does. I always feel so blessed that I get to be a part of your lives and your journey. So deeply, deeply, deeply moved by comments like that and know that I, I, I do truly care. Um, <clears throat> you've been in a relationship lovingly for over a year and you are thinking of moving in together in the fall when our leases are up. Congratulations. I've heard you talk about things to discuss during engagement on the show a couple times. But what about things to discuss before cohabitation? Are those talking points similar? First off, congrats uh, for a lot of people that say next relational developmental milestone to cohabitate. But yes, I like where your head's at. There are some things you want to talk about ahead of time versus just kind of bump it in when they happen. I've lived with many different people I've dated. So I also have my own personal experiences of that as well as clinical. A couple things. First off, I always recommend both people's names being on the lease. Um, you guys are in a loving relationship, conflict happens, expect it, work through it. But I don't know enough to know how y'all play the power, power dynamic game. But for some couples, it's important that everyone feels empowered. And so their names are both on the lease. So no one can pull the card. This is my place. So always throw that one out there. I hate that that even has to be consideration, but it does. Also, you want to talk about finances, who's going to pay for what. And this is really important to talk about ahead of time. Not everyone makes the same amount of money. I am okay with it being a percentage-based thing. If you decide to, um, everyone pays for uh, everything in a combined manner, uh, rent could be whatever percentage the difference is. It could be 60-30. I'm sorry, that would make no sense. 60-40, 70-30, 50-50, whatever you're comfortable with. Be compassionate in figuring out what each of you can afford. Some people split all bills. Others divide it up. You know, I'll cover rent. You cover the electric and security. You make less than me. That's great. Uh, make sure though, the most responsible person is the one who's responsible for actually paying the bills. Auto pay is a really great idea. And then finally, I think another key thing to look at is the housework distribution. Who's going to do what, you know, some people don't like things to be this structured. Some people like it to be looser. I think it's a good idea to kind of talk about it ahead of time. So everyone knows what they're responsible for, but outside of those structural pieces, everything else is just supposed to be kind of rooted in fun. And I leave it to your own levels of compassion to decide what color the walls will be etc cetera, etc cetera. um but finally i'll just say give each other a break you know living together you encounter little things that you didn't have to before like someone who puts things right away in the dishwasher versus leaving them out just remember there's no right way there's just different ways you know so be flexible sliding the dms is brought to you by our friends at trojan condoms because it's a big old sex world good stuff uh listen to love line with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com thank you for tuning into love line i'm your host dr chris
All right, now we're going to switch gears and go to Dr. Mo Heilbronn, trauma surgeon and chief of staff at St. Mary's Medical Center. How are you? Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, this this whole COVID thing is an ongoing uh, story. I feel like every time I turn around, something shifts and changes. And, you know, one of my barometers is I try to watch Dr. Fauci in the back. Like any facial expressions he makes, any long sighs. Like, I'm listening more to that. Yes? <laughs> Well, you're feeling it, you're feeling exactly what's really going on is that things are changing every day. Right. <clears throat> we are living in a research study. And so feeling like you're learning new stuff every day, so are we. And Dr. Fauci and those guys should be our beacon. We should be following them. Um, and, and, hard. and as an expert yourself, I mean, what do you do with the anxiety of not always having the best answer based on what we know? Because I know I encounter that where people expect me at all times to know everything, to be on top of everything. And it's like, I'm a human. And as you said, the novel virus, things are changing so quickly. How do you manage that? Uh, and well, in this era of social media, managing it is almost impossible. Every day people are asking and demanding information. And it's hard to explain to lay people um, or to give them enough time to listen, uh, that we're just learning. And and literally every day we're getting more information. Uh, we have to change what we know because what we know changes. It sounds dumb, but it's actually true. No, um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, one of the things that came up was uh, with the Black Lives Matters protests, there was a new wave in Corona uh, positives and people were blaming the protests. And then we were unpacking that most likely due to when symptoms established themselves. It was from the early opening. Are you where are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, we don't know a lot. We're learning about the biology of this virus. And now we're finding out that you don't have to have symptoms to spread it. Um. I was on trauma call last night and we are now seeing trauma patients that come in for other reasons that are testing positive for COVID. Uh, so it, it's out there in terms of the second surge we're we haven't, we haven't gone back down. We have only been elevating at our hospitals and I'm here in California it's becoming a problem. Yeah, like I'm thankful that we're putting a lot of attention into Black Lives Matter. But what I'm seeing a side effect of that being is that I there are people I've spoken to where I mentioned COVID and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I'm thinking, oh, that's horrible that people have kind of let their guard down. So what are what is what is the work right now? Is it just about keeping it in the news and in the conversation and reminding our loved ones, like put that mask on? Yeah, but I mean, don't you sometimes feel like we may have a finite amount of an ability to handle yeah. stuff and new things keep coming on that it just makes it hard for us to deal. I mean, try to imagine I drive to work every day in a hospital that has a ton of COVID patients that some of them I have to take care of as a general trauma and a vascular surgeon. And I drive to work in my hometown in Long Beach where I see these establishments near my hospital that are boarded up that were looted and destroyed. So I, I get a realization of both of them every day, and so does everybody who works in that hospital. So I'm one of those people where I'm erring on the side of caution, and I haven't re-entered my clinical practice because my clinical office doesn't have windows that open. What are your thoughts on people that are rushing back to work as soon as possible? Should we be taking more time? And if so, what are we looking for to know it's safe? Because I'm not trusting our current administration to tell us that. Um, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah um this this is going to be only slightly controversial but the decision to go back to work is not a scientific one it's an economic one and 
And I understand that because I've been impacted as of all of us. Um, but scientifically, honestly, we don't know a lot of stuff. We don't know the size of the droplet that these things uh, exist on. We don't know how long they take to affect you. We have symptoms that range from loss of smell to blood clotting in your blood vessels to nothing. Do you know how scary that is for a doctor like like me and my colleagues who are dealing with the virus we're learning about? The symptoms are all over the map. We don't have any drugs to treat it. We don't have any vaccine to fight it. And our tests are meh. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard someone list it quite like that. I felt that in my gut. More coming up after the break with Dr. Mo Heilbron. Continuing the conversation with our guest, Dr. Mo Heilbron. We need to give smart people time to figure this crap out, and they will. We, we need to let them do their job, and in order to do that is to do what you're doing and what the rest of us are doing. Being reasonable, being calm, but being reasonable. Social distance, wear your mask, don't be stupid, but also mentally we do have to figure out a way to be social. And so we need to figure out a way to communicate safely and just be with other people safely. Safe distance, masks, a little bit of common sense is going to go a long way. And unfortunately, common sense nowadays is hard to come by. It sure, sure is. But, you know, and that's kind of the advice I'm giving as well is I think we've reached a threshold where psychologically speaking, in terms of people's moods, they they do need to feel like they're somehow a participant in the world and they're making contact with others. But like you pointed mm-hmm. out, there's a lot of really safe ways to do that. I mean, what I've been saying is outside, not around people, not for long, no enclosed spaces, wearing masks six feet apart, which sounds like a long laundry list. But when I highlight like you just did, what is still occurring, it starts to remind them of the importance of that. <laughs> that's perfectly said absolutely okay. we, we just it, it's hard and some people can't stay home and that's a hard part for the people that i work with the nurses and the housekeepers that i work with that we have to go every day into a place where we know it's around us right. and the good news is we're not seeing a huge spike in the healthcare professionals which means we're doing something right Beautiful. And then just circle back to what you said about uh, individuals coming in, not for COVID, but indirectly getting a test and then finding out they're positive. What are we to make of that? Um, we should accept that as the norm. We know it's out there. Our assumption, which was faulty, and it should be, that everybody who has COVID has symptoms. And we know that's not true anymore. We know that only, what, 43% will even have a fever. So... Um, and our tests aren't exactly perfect. So I think it's an understanding that this is part of our health life now, and we will learn to deal with it appropriately in the same way we have before. We can do this. We can totally do this. So, and, and just to close, and I know this is like an impossible question to answer, and I asked you earlier, what do you think we should be looking for? I mean, with so many different experts giving so many pieces of advice, like what would you tell your loved ones as far as what they need to see happen before you feel comfortable with them really kind of reentering the world? Is it about a vaccine? Um, you know, vaccine's going to take a while. We've never come up with a coronavirus vaccine yet. So this isn't going to happen right away. Uh, and our treatments, we need to move that along. But what I tell my loved ones and what I tell people that I care about um, is, and it sounds so dumb, but don't be stupid. Wear your mask. Um, if you have to go to a restaurant or if you have, I mean, there's some people that are so like, I need to be in a restaurant. I need to go to a bar. I need to do this, which I can understand from a uh, social point of view, but from a scientific point of view, it gives me ulcers. So the best thing I can tell you is if you need to do that, be careful. 
wear your mask. If if it's if you feel like you're crowded, you are, and you need to go somewhere else. Oh, I like that. If you feel like you're crowded, I I feel crowded around just as much as one other person, and so I'm thriving <laughs> at all this distance. But I, I like that little gem for everyone else. Uh, Doctor <laughs> Mo Heilbron, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Be safe out there, and thank you for everything you're doing to help us. Hey, thank you. You too. Have a great night. Thank you to our special guests, Aloe Black and Dr. Mo Heilbron. I like simple answers, and I don't think that that answer was too simple. We still have to take precautions. We still have to be thoughtful. We have to assess for ourselves the level of risk we're willing to take. But I like that the advice hasn't changed. It's still about safety in terms of distancing, wearing those masks. We're going to keep reporting, though, on all of the new updates as they unfold. We'll be on by going to all the radio.com handles, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, some numbers at the end of the show for those that need a little extra care and support. As always, thanks for hanging out with us, and you all have an awesome, awesome night. You're tuned in to Loveline with Dr. Chris. All right, time to slide into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Okay, Dr. Chris. Well, actually, no. Hi, Dr. Chris. Okay, so I've been seeing this guy for roughly about a month and a half. So it Really hasn't been long and long. We met through an online dating site, and even though we haven't been talking long, we've been hitting it off extremely well. We talk to each other about every day via phone, and we plan dates just about every weekend. Right after we last hung out, I noticed he immediately had changed his dating profile around. Oh, <laughs> that means they're looking for some stuff. He put new pics up of himself and changed some things about himself in the about me section. Oh, saying looking good. Is this, yep. Is this a sign he isn't serious about me? Should I be concerned? Yes. Yes, you should. Yep. Straight up. People do not go back on their profile making changes to quote unquote enhance and, and make more matches if they're serious about you're interested in you. No. That's, I mean, no, not a good sign. Get Samantha, you had a question. You always got a question. <laughs> always thinking. Uh, yeah, it is not a good sign if you and this person are working on something serious and you're moving towards, I don't know, commitment, monogamy, and they go on their profile and they start updating things. The updating inherently implies I'm looking for new and better results. Like, that is not a good sign. You're looking for them to maybe take it down. Yeah. But not right. update. <laughs> I love that you were trying to normalize that somehow, though. You're like, no, we're going to make this sound okay somehow. It's going to be good. It is. Uh, hey, Dr. Chris, I have a problem with distancing women that are too attractive and loving because I'm terrorized by the thought of being left heartbroken when they leave. I feel like it's holding me back from being with someone who I could really be serious with. The only problem is that I don't consciously control it. Um, so my question is, how can I get over my fears and insecurities and pursue women I want to be with without subconsciously detaching? Well, you, you are consciously controlling it. That's the thing is there's unconscious and conscious components to it. If you are literally um, not asking them out or following up on text and conversation, that is under your conscious control, though driven by unconscious anxieties that maybe don't feel fully active at those times, you do have some conscious control over it. And so the work you could do on your own would be to do some positive self-talk. I mean, essentially you're going to do cognitive behavioral therapy with yourself. You can do some cognitive self-talk and explain yourself that not everyone leaves and that if leaving does happen, that heartache doesn't feel good, but no one's, you know, but that you will survive 
drive that and try to challenge yourself to move into new behaviors that don't create as much anxiety. So you might not initially be jumping in anything, but you might practice just texting back sometimes or sticking around a little bit longer or making more eye contact, you know, things that are tolerable, uh, trying to change the things you do have control over. And again, doing a little cognitive reframing that, you know, heartbreak isn't necessarily what's going to happen, but if it does, you will be okay. But this actually does also fall under something you should seek therapy from. Someone said I say that too often. I didn't think I said that enough, but I think that's actually, this is a therapy thing. There's really nothing I can give you on the fly that you can just go home and do and all's well. This is something that's going to take some ongoing work and attention. So yeah, therapy it is. Uh, Science DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. Back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As always, thanks for hanging out with me. You guys have an awesome, awesome night.